Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. Today on Let Me Be Frank, you know, it's already that time again. Time for back to school, although it's certainly different this year. On today's show, Bishop Caggiano will talk about the need to differentiate Catholic schools by strengthening the formation and Catholic identity at those schools. And then I want to ask him, you know, the bishop has a lot of experience working with young people. So as he thinks about them, as he works with them, as he addresses them, what is the most important thing he would like young people to know? Before we get into it, let me tell you quickly about the St. Joseph Society. If you can give $500 or more a year, that's $41 a month or less than $1.40 a day, you can become a vital part of the Veritas family and help keep Catholic Radio going strong here in New York and Connecticut. Veritas is here to help you strengthen your faith, to strengthen your family and your neighbors. This station is here for you. It's your station. And we need your help to keep this important mission going. Join the family. Join the St. Joseph Society. Go to www.veritascatholic.com for more details. And now it's my great pleasure to welcome all of you to Let Me Be Frank and to introduce His Excellency, Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, listen, happy birthday to you. We're approaching one year, one year old. That's right. That's right. Thank you very much, Excellency. That's uh, this Friday. It's um, so a year ago on August 21st, we flipped the switch. It was John and me and our engineer down at the tower site. And we began broadcasting on the radio and on the app. And uh, it happened to be also the feast of St. Pius X, um, which was kind of by design. And uh, and so we're excited. One year. I know it's great, and it's a great service. It's a great ministry, and the fact that it was on the feast of Pius X is also a great segue if we're going to talk about young people some more today, because in addition to being the Pope of the of the Holy Eucharist, yes, but he was very child centered. Like for example, Pius X mandated the confraternity of Christian doctrine in every parish in the world because he wanted to make sure children were educated in the faith, right? He was the one who lowered the age of reception of Holy Communion from 12 to 7 to the age of discretion, because he wanted children and young people to be close to the Lord in the Eucharist. And when he was a priest, it's a great story, when he was a priest, he would walk around with candy and sweets and give them out to poorer children, and as a good pastor, as a hook to get them you know, to come to church where he would teach them the faith. Yeah. It's like a little sacred bribery, which works <laughs> in every age. Yeah, exactly. So he very much was focused on young people. Yeah, yeah. And we mm-hmm. we uh, also selected, not just because of the timing, but with, with the Pope. And um, for us, importantly, so relevant today, he waged an unwavering war against modernism and relativism, yes. which... yes which unfortunately that war is still waging and has taken many casualties along the way. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, he was, uh, and he was also, what I found fascinating about him, not that we're gonna spend a lot of time on him, but he came, he was very poor. I mean, he was the son of a mailman. Yeah. And, and he did not use his papal authority to enrich his family in any way. You know, it, it um, which was common at the yeah. time for bishops and archbishops and cardinals to do that. He, um, he really was a saintly, very simple man 
who was firm, firm, mm -hmm. underline the word firm, in the things he believed in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, that was the turn of the 20th century. Now the turn of the 21st century. What a different age we live in. Yeah. Right? It's, um, anyway. So, yeah. happy birthday. Thank you Where's so much. Where's the cake? Where's the cake? <laughs> I want to know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll send some over to you virtually. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Steve. So, you know, it's, um, it's hard to believe, Excellency, but we've reached the part of the summer where kids are actually thinking about going back to school. And oh, you know. and Dr. Cheeseman have been vigilant and thoughtful mm -hmm. about putting together a comprehensive plan mm -hmm. to open schools back up. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. First of all, Dr. Cheeseman and his staff gets all the credit, right? I'm, I'm kind of like the cheerleader here. Um, but uh, to say that it's complicated and fluid is an understatement. Because in many ways, even though there is a general guide for reopening, all the principals need to apply it to their own schools, which are configured differently, sized differently. Mm -hmm. And um, every principal has done that and publicized it with their parents. And to my great delight, we can safely open all of our schools with five days of full instruction. And the reason we can do that is because our sizes, generally speaking, are not large in student populations versus public schools where they have huge populations in some of their schools. Right. But there's a lot of apprehension. There's a lot of anxiety with parents and with teachers and with staff and presumably even, I guess, with children that are a bit older, simply because there's so many unknowns here. Because right now, Connecticut is in a great place. Yeah. We have the second lowest infection rate in the country. Now, let's hope it stays that way. But there's always the possibility of infection, and there's always the possibility that a school would have to have a portion of its population quarantine or the whole school quarantine. Um, and so there's going to be fluidity. Every school is prepared for five days, and we're going to open that way. If, God forbid, someone gets sick, or there's exposure, we could easily slide into virtual learning, and then when ready, come back into full session. So, you know, children are very resilient. It's the rest of us who are older that have a hardest time to kind of like go with the flow. Yeah. But this is all new, right? For edu yeah. educators in general, and, and for us in particular, but that's the good news. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I have learned over these years that you need to do what's right. Yes. You don't do what pleases. So everything we do is based on the facts and based on science. And the preeminent goal is to keep our teachers and students safe, period. That's it. Bottom line. Yeah. So like we've said before, if you can open school safely for one day of the week, then you can open it safely for five days of the week if you have the means and the tools and the population small enough to be able to do that. And that's right. what we have basically in effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you've been saying, you know, it's, it's not a political issue. It's not an issue of faith. It's an issue of public health. So without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, because our children are our, our greatest gift. Yeah. And we, and I guess the way I kind of see it is that, 
if I had children, what would I want my children to have and how would I want them to be treated if I brought them to St. Esmeralda School, for example? Yep. And I think that motivates all the principals. It motivates all the teachers. I met with all the principals last, last week or a week and a half ago by Zoom. And I just commended them for they have just done a phenomenal amount of work. It's just incredible amount of work. And I could see written in their eyes, we were talking about strategic planning, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, they're always very polite and they're cooperative. But I'm sure they were thinking to himself, this man is talking about the future planning two years. I'm trying to get to September and he's talking about two years from now. Right. <laughs> but, but the point is, you know, it's like we have to walk in true gum. Yeah, we have to get to September where you do have to start planning for the future because I want to make sure our schools not only are stable, but they thrive. And there are some ch- major challenges, including enrollment and finances. Yeah. And we spoke about Catholic identity, which we could talk about some more. So, but I could see that, um, you know, they are, they're battle tried. I mean, some of them uh, look older to me than they did five months ago. Mm. Because they have been not only working so hard, but, you know, they've been struggling with their parents, especially particularly in this past year, March right. and April and May, mm-hmm. you know. Many of our principals see themselves almost as like substitute parents for when the parents of our children are not there. So, you know, I really do commend them. I do commend yeah. them. And Dr. Cheeseman has done a great job with his staff. He certainly has. He's, he's done a top-notch plan, so much so that at least four or five dioceses have taken it and copied it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, right? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. So, I mean, that is tremendous. Yeah. It's a tremendous compliment. Um, so we will go from there. One of the most controversial things that, uh, that comes to, in education uh, is the use of masks. Should children use masks? And, you know, it's a hot button item across the country. Uh, we've talked about it. My feeling on it is very simple. It's a public health issue. You're protecting your neighbor. So I don't understand what the problem is with wearing a mask, but that's me. I also think it's, it's, it's a mandate of faith if you're gonna protect your neighbor because Jesus told us to. So yes. what higher authority do you need, right? But in school, every parent has the right to uh, ask that their children wear masks all the time. But um, for those who do not feel that they need to wear them all the time, even though they are socially distanced. So they are literally six feet apart, right? Um, so children who are, non, who are non-mobile may actually take their masks off in school. And some people say, well, why is that the case? Like, why would you not mandate masks all the time? You mandate them at mass, why would you not mandate them in the classroom? You see, there's a difference here. So see if this is logical, Steve. Okay. okay. At Mass, we are praying. And while we're all participating in our own way, the participation, the interaction is not between the celebrant and the congregation first and foremost. It is our own unique way of participating in the Mass and our dialogue is with God. Yes. Which is different from children in a classroom teachers need to read children's faces to make sure that they understand what's going on because a teacher, particularly a veteran teacher, can spot it a mile away 
when they have that look that's puzzled and they're thinking, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. To be able to truly make that interaction. So that is an essential piece of education. Now, you need to balance that with the good uh, and the health and safety of our children. So if everyone is socially distanced and not moving, then we can also accommodate the good that would allow a teacher to read people's faces, their children's faces, to make sure that the material is being apprehended and co comprehended correctly. Yeah. Um, so we will see. And of course, please God, if things remain well, but there are other issues as too, including dismissal at lunch and gym and outdoor activities and instruction outside and, and you know, testing of staff and uh, uh, the rules for if someone actually is, is exposed to the virus, uh, it, to God forbid, if anyone gets ill. I mean, yeah, it's, it's about, I don't know, 32 pages long. I mean, wow. it's, it's all there. Yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So I do want to come back to something that you said last week and, and today already. You spoke about uh, the changes that need to happen within all of us and with our schools. Mm -hmm. You said that Catholic schools need to reclaim their Catholic identity. Mm -hmm. And so I, I want to give you the opportunity to elaborate on that. Well, first, thank you for remembering. <laughs> okay, so you're listening. Good. <laughs> all right. What is the real issue? What is the fundamental issue going on here? Why I keep beating this drum? It is not... And forgive me for being this blunt. It's not because I am nostalgic for the trappings of Catholic faith. Because they are very important. By trappings, I mean, you know, the imagery, the iconography, the statues in church, and um, the statues in our schools and all the rest. Extremely important. But when I say Catholic identity, I am not referring to that. All of our schools have that already. Right? Nor am I suggesting that they are lacking in participation in the sacraments, although I think some schools can do better. So, for example, we will mandate, I will mandate monthly celebration of the Eucharist for all students in all our schools. Yeah. I will mandate regular reception of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation in all our schools. Yes. Um, and the principals are going to need the cooperation of the priests of the area to do this, but that's essential. But that's also not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is... The basic recognition that because of the secular society in which we live, because of the now established hostility to Catholic faith, and because of the pandemic in our midst, we need to recognize that we are now a mission country. Mm -hmm. And because we are a mission country, we need to figure out how to introduce true Catholic faith and Catholic teachings to our young people who may come already with misconceptions at the earliest age because they are on the web, because they are a part of society, because through osmosis in so many different ways, they are being given a misunderstanding of what Christianity really is. And let me give you an example of what I mean. For, for many young people, the idea that truth is more than fact will come as a surprise. Hmm. We've talked about this. Mm -hmm. 
and an appreciation of the multivalent nature of truth is not is not appreciated in secular society because in secular society in secularism i am the standard of the truth usually that gets reduced to facts and figures so when you talk about the the the, the truths of the faith if you think that the truths of the faith are only a mythical framework to help understand what science has not yet figured out, then you are not going to receive the gift of faith as it's meant to be given by God and allow it to bear fruit in your life. So when I say Catholic identity, I am suggesting that from when you are in pre-K-3, we need an age-appropriate way to begin to teach our young people some of the fundamental premises upon which they will be able to receive and be nurtured in faith. No different than an appreciation of the human person mm -hmm. and human life and its meaning to the appreciation of the unique relationship between history and eternal truth. Yes. If you don't understand that or have not grappled with that, then in the end, religion, Catholic, Catholic faith seems like it's just somebody made it up. Yeah. Yeah. So Catholic identity is all of that. So we've talked about truth, beauty, and goodness. I want that to become the centerpiece of how we're going to, in an apologetic way, though apologetics has some negative connotation, in an apologetic way, identify and grapple with the basic questions that form our young people's worldview and allow them to develop a worldview that is truly consonant with Catholic faith. Then Catholic faith makes sense. Then they can actually enter into the life of the church. Then they can actually encounter the person of Jesus Christ. Then they are blessed. Yes. Then they are on the path to discipleship and eternal life. Yes. So the stakes are enormous. Absolutely enormous. Yeah. And the sad truth is, if people get offended on the podcast, I'm sorry in advance, but many of their parents and grandparents and even people my age don't get it. Yeah. They've never grappled with the question. They just presumably accept what society is saying or choose not to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. But the issue is young people ask questions, rightfully so. So they're not of the generation to say, I'm just going to blindly accept what you tell me. They won't do that. But yeah. we don't have to be afraid because there is an explanation. Reason and faith are like hand and glove. We can explain all this, not only coherently, but faithful to human experience. We're not making this up in addition to human. It is human experience. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I want to start that at four and five years old. By the time they get to 7th and 8th grade, when lots of young people are disaffiliating, if you come to our schools, that is when you're going to be on fire Yeah, for the person of Jesus Christ and the mystical person of Jesus Christ's body in the world, which is the church, yeah. with all its problems. Yeah. And this is, this is a, a big part of, you know, I mentioned to you that I recently, re I recently read The Benedict Option by Rod Dreher. This is a big mm -hmm. part of what he talks about with uh, families and especially in education and he says that you know if you compartmentalize education and you separate it from the life of the church 
instead of integrating it all, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the faith into it, that creates a false distinction because, mm-hmm. you know, the deeper that our roots are to the past, then the more secure our, our anchor will be against what, uh, what he called the, the swift right. currents of modernity. Right. See, and that is ultimately where if there was, uh, in hindsight, we spoke about Pius X. Yes. Pius X's firm resolve against modernism, is, it makes perfect sense. But if it's taken in an absolute form, prevents the very dialogue that is necessary so that Catholics can be in the world and not of the world. Yes. That they can, they have to work. We all have to live in what's essentially a post-Christian world. And when these issues come up, we have to be, all of us, versed to be able to address them intelligently with our neighbors and friends. And if you don't dialogue, you don't dialogue to compromise, you dialogue to understand and rebut and to answer. So in our 21st century, young people want that ability to rebut if they're going to be active in the church. Otherwise, they will accept a different prescription and put both feet in the world, in the secular world. So our schools are supposed to help them to at least give them the choice because many young people don't have the choice because they don't know the first. They don't know the basics of what we're talking about. And it's not just a catechism. It's more than that. It's the philosophical underpinnings of life. It is the anthropological underpinnings of life. It's a worldview where all of this you put together makes sense. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, my friend, as I've said to you before, the pandemic has caused upheaval, suffering, and death. But it has also caused a moment of deep questioning and reckoning in the lives of many people. And not simply because they've lost their jobs and not simply because they have even lost loved ones at great personal pain. But because there's not a single one of us who, unless you're gonna hide under your bed, goes out into the world by necessity and is dancing with death. And that mortality that is clear to us which normally we would escape, now that it's literally in front of us, that is an occasion for people to begin to ask the ultimate questions of life, which for many people, they delay until they are sick or old or dying or facing the sickness or death of someone around them. When Christians, the fundamental premise of Christian life is to say, we're not afraid of the ultimate questions because we have an answer for them in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the pandemic is now causing a deep level of anxiety because in many lives and in many cases, the construct of one's life cannot answer the questions raised by the pandemic. Yeah. So who's gonna answer them? Yeah. And for the sake of our children, hopefully parents are, are looking around and saying, okay, in this society, I need a place where my kids will have the Catholic truths reinforced of what we're teaching at home. It's really not enough just to send our kids to Sunday school and youth group because two to three hours a week, it, it, it can't. our kids aren't prepared to fight against the 
the tidal wave of society today. Right, right, right. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've started internal conversations. I've been meeting with lay leaders of uh, different parishes. And the purpose of that is to consult and answer the question, where do we go from here? And my hope is by November to issue a pastoral letter that will do, that will provide in many ways a roadmap of how do we rebuild the church post-abuse crisis in a secular post-Christian world, please God, one day post-pandemic, how do we rebuild? Yeah. And maybe one day we could go into it when it's clearer in my mind as to a final form, but this much is clear. At the bedrock of that, my friend, is we belong to two families, a natural family and an ecclesial family. And the fortunes of humanity and the fortunes of the church rest on the health of both. Yes. Yeah. So to your point, youth group, and religious education and faith formation, all those other issues, all those other worthwhile experiences have to be supportive and strengthening of the basic tenor of one's life, not be the substitute for that life. Yes. So if a family is not strong, if a family is not united, never perfect, but strong, a family that has dialogue, a family that's rooted in faith, a family that asks hard questions, a family that stands together in times of suffering and can rejoice and relax in each other's company, who love each other in the true sense of love, willing each other's good, particularly parents to their children, and in old age, children to their parents. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, then you could go to 500 youth ministries and all the rest of it. Will they make a difference? Absolutely. But it's all upstream. Yes. Because you're supposed to plant those seeds somewhere. And it's going to be in family life and the ecclesial life. So you have a parish that's dead. How in the name of goodness are people going to come to greater faith? Honestly, is this a Lazarus experience? Yeah. And, and parish life is more than Sunday Mass. Yeah, that's right. Sunday Mass is critically important. But it's the high point of something else. It's not the only point where there's nothing else, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. On that yeah, note, I'm getting all excited now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, I'm going to let you catch your breath, Excellency. We're going to we're going to take a break and we'll continue the conversation on the other side. Catholic Radio works, and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank. I'm Steve Lee, and we're hearing from Bishop Caggiano about Catholic schools and reinforcing the faith, the Catholicity of our schools. Um, Excellency, this from for you, this comes from um, a lot of experience. You have mm -hmm. a lot of experience with youth. You've been uh, invited to speak at various World Youth Days. You served on the uh, National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry. You're on the USCCB Subcommittee on Youth. And yep. uh, you were selected to participate in the Synod on Young People in Rome. So yes. who's a better uh, expert 
on youth in America oh, than you. <laughs> probably, probably a million people. That's, I mean, I've been fortunate. You know, I have to tell you a quick story. When I went to, I may have told you this already, but when I went to Ireland, I've gone to Ireland a few times, and the young people there are really, the ones who are faithful are just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And you know what they call me there? They call me the gangster bishop. <laughs> and I said, excuse me? He says, well, yeah, because you sound like those gangsters on those movies we watch from the United States. <laughs> I said, wow, talk about resonating. <laughs> anyway, I said, thank you, but no thank you. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I've been very, I've been very fortunate um, to have a ministry where part of it has allowed me to serve young people and young people have actually formed me hmm. and changed some of um, my own thinking um, and even my leadership in the church. Yeah. You know, I've always prided myself on being direct, respectful, but direct. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking. And there's a way to do that and, and not offend people unless they are, you know, unless a, a mistake is made or unless people are really so sensitive that you, they, they don't want any controversy at all. Right. And you can speak to this, Steve, as a father, but my sense is that young people want direct talk. Yeah. They don't want to interpret what, you, what, what they think you mean. Yep. Because that leads to a whole nother world of... Um, to put it this way, if I'm not, if I don't love you enough to tell you the truth and challenge you, then they will doubt whether you love me at all. That's right. Yep. Is that, does that resonate with your experience? Yeah. I mean, yeah, with my own kids and, you know, I do a lot of work with, with young people as well. And yeah, they, they don't want to be feel, they don't want to feel like you're feeding them a line just because that's what you're supposed to say. Right. Well said. Yeah. Right. And, and unfortunately, a lot of religious people and religious figures and clerics, um, for whatever reason, do not feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, yes. So I have been very fortunate and I continue to be involved with uh, now more so young adults because teenagers, I am getting, I mean, I could be there. I am their grandfather at this point <laughs> in my age. So, I mean, there are others to take up the mantle. But for young adults, um, yeah, it's, uh, that is a group that is ready, absolutely ready for involvement in the life of the church. Sounds a strange thing for me to say, but it's ready. No, if the, yeah. the stage was set, they're ready. And they will come in both feet. They will come in with guns blazing. But they need to be told why it is worth their time and commitment to do that. Yeah. So if, if they're ready, young, young people, young adults, youth, if they're ready, which I agree, I think they are, what, what do you think are the biggest challenges then to young people and particularly Catholic, young Catholics in America as they, you know, as they look out in the world and the church? Right, right. Well, I think we've spoken about the whole idea of, of self-worth as being one of the great challenges that all of us faith face, but young people in particular, because they're more prone to believe 
the 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 hidden agenda of a materialistic secularistic society that wants them to be a center of consumption so you have mm -hmm. to consume because you 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 want more right so that is a perennial issue for all young people but my but you know but if i were to to be more precise i would say one of the great challenges is um is finding enduring relationships not even friendships because friendships are a particular type of relationship because the digital continent the electronic world right the web whatever you want to call it um is filled with shadows shadows yeah, yeah. you don't even know half the time whether the person on the other side is actually the person that they claim to be you know the electronic world is heaven for predators of all types then when you consider the fact that young people could use the same medium to hide themselves from others so it's not just that they are receiving it but they are but they are also engaged in it creates almost a dual identity a dual personality which is extraordinarily harmful for the integration that should occur as you grow up. Yes. So it's almost like this is your alter ego where you could say things and have no consequence for saying them. Right. Right? Which no part of human life can be lived without consequence. Yeah. So relationships, you know, relationships where they can be honest, where they can be direct, relationships that could lead to friendships. We've talked about friendships before. I think that is a growing area that concerns me. And therefore there's loneliness and alienation and detachment that sometimes can become a prison whose walls would be very hard to break through. Yeah. Because on some level you have to be invited into them, into the battle. You can't just come with a tank with guns blazing to break in because that will have the opposite effect. So how do we open those doors then so that we can uh, facilitate better and true authentic relationships for them? You know, we, we just started having that conversation two days ago inter internally in the Curia. Because if the premise is post-pandemic in the secular world, all the rest, that a good number of our Catholics will not come back to worship, they'll become comfortable not going back. And there's a whole slew of people who left and a whole slew of people of goodwill who look at us as if we have nine heads. All those people. All right, so now how do we get to them? How do we get to them? How do we reach out to them? Is the issue. And therefore, young people are a subset now when two years ago, most people would have said they are the primary people we have to reach out to. Now, I would say they are a primary group, but it's also their parents and also those who, who, are, who are attending mass simply electronically. And once we can go back unfettered, we'll continue to take that route. And so many others, you know, the quasi disaffiliated, the ones, the last straw, they broke, they're not gone. All right. So I'm going to take your question and ask it this way. How do I get invited into accompanying a young person in faith? Mm -hmm. 
since I can't impose myself on it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, one of the ways, whether it's young people, but particularly young people, is you have to be where they want to be, right? You have to find yourself where they are motivated to spend their time. Mm -hmm. So the electronic world is the new missionary frontier. And the church has to be in the thick of it, literally struggling in the muck of it, yeah. to be able to uh, meet young people and all who use that medium. That's one. But like the intuition and theology um, on tap is where do young people congregate? Where, where will they go even with the danger of the pandemic? As soon as the bars opened up, everybody went. That would be the last place I would go, but that's where young, why, so, why, so why, why do they go? Is it just to have fun? Mm, I'm sure fun is part of it, but it's also socializing. Yes. It's companionship and it's habit. It's habit. Yeah. So how are we gonna be present to them in those gathering places? And do we take some of the ideas of the past and rebaptize them for the 21st century? A case in point. You want a person to invite you into their life to walk with them at 21, chances are if they have not done it when they were 12, they're gonna find it very uncomfortable to do it at 21. Right. Some will. Yeah. So in my day, thousand years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, <laughs> right? The, an integrated youth outreach that was recreational, athletic, and catechetical was called CYO. Yeah. And we look back and say, that was athletics. Wrong, wrong. You know, you may remember it to be only sports, but in fact, the other two pillars were catechesis, and recreation in the true sense of socializing. So in the 21st century, what, how do we take the concept of CYO and rebaptize it to fit? And I'll give you an example of what I mean. I tried to create the Catholic Service Corps and it did not work because we aimed for teenagers and young adults. I'm now of the opinion that the Catholic Service Corps failed, not because the concept was incorrect, but because the age was too old. Huh. That it actually has to be sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Because as you accompany them, and you are invited in to have a relationship, that is how you can begin to mold them, answer these questions and mold them so that when they grow older, they will have more appropriate service to that age group, but it will not be a new concept. Yeah. Because young people will do good things, they will serve, but if they're not learning that it's out of faith you do it when they're 10 years old, at 21 years old, some will learn it, most will not see the value of having to learn it. Right. So, so it's a question that we're going to grapple with as a diocese, Steve. 
And yeah. we could, I would love to invite readers' input on what their thoughts are, because it's the same idea for young adults and older middle-aged people who have become secularized and no longer believe themselves to be active Catholics. You know, you, I went to the parish of St. Ladislaus and St. Joseph are emerging in South Norwalk. Okay. At one of their collaborative committee meetings, I raised this idea. And they were very polite and they entertain it. But, you know, like typical of who we are, you always get caught up in the challenges of trying to do it. But I said to them, wouldn't it be a great idea since the new mall, the last mall being built in the United States in South Norwalk, right off of 95, you could see it's gigantic. Yes. <clears throat> I'm certain then I said there have to be empty stores. Now, now, post-pandemic, my goodness, if the mall ever opens, I'm not even sure if it's open now, but if it ever opens, it's going to have a ton of empty stores. Wouldn't it be great if the parish or the diocese or a group of Catholic lay people rented out the storefront for a year and made it a Catholic reading room, hangout place, cafe, literature, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that where lots of young people go? Right? They socialize in malls, they shop, they go, give them free coffee, give them free ice cream, give them free whatever it is. You see what I mean? Yes. Is it possible? Yeah, it is. But you got to think outside the box big time. Yeah. Big time. It's time to be creative. I know, I, I know of someone who floated this idea. And now in this plan, please God, I will find the donor to pay for it. To, to buy a pizza truck. And to go to different events. Right? And offer pizza at a reduced price and use it as an occasion to introduce themselves to the Catholic Church. Yeah. If we had the money, give it away for free. This is what Christian generosity looks like. Yeah. Now why don't you take that piece, take a piece of it, give it to somebody else. You see what I mean? Yeah. It being invited into where they are. We can do this. We yeah. can do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So then, uh, you know, one of the ways uh, that we can continue reach, to reach out is through media, like what you and I are doing, mm -hmm. what people mm -hmm. like um, other people on Catholic Radio and folks like Jason Everett, Krista Fennick are doing, organizations, mm -hmm. there are fantastic organizations out there like Focus and um, the Steubenville Conferences, um, Catholic Answers. You have John Grasso here in the diocese who's doing great stuff on mm -hmm. social media. So yep. there's a push. We need to be creative, like you said. While you're here with me and with all mm -hmm. of our listeners, what is the one thing or the two or three things that you would most like young people, young adults, teenagers to know? Oh, wow. Okay. That's an interesting question. It's the same thing I want every person of every age to know. Let me start by saying this. I want everyone to know that God already knows your deepest, darkest secrets and still loves you. That he's not given up on you. I want people to know that life is meant to be joyful. And that a life lived in Jesus 
will be a joyful one. I want them to know that they are not meant to be alone in this life because the Lord Jesus will never turn his back on them, even if everyone else does. Sounds almost corny, but those fundamental truths are so fundamental that we forget to talk about them and we also forget to live them. But for many young people who chances are have already done some really life-changing things and not always for the better. Those regrets should not prevent them from understanding that God will still always love them and calls them to greatness, calls them to heroic greatness. Um, And I want them to know that the church, which is made up of a lot of human beings that do a lot of crazy things sometimes, and even sinful things sometimes, that the church is more than its, its parts. But it's a great community of people alive in our midst and not in our midst, but still alive, who watch over them and walk with them. You know, I, I'm a bit of a romantic, uh, you know, I am, um, you know, I have these images of young people walking down these these paths and streets and, and alleyways and, you know, essentially wondering to themselves, um, am I in this all by myself? Mm-hmm. Does anybody get it? Does anybody understand me? Does anybody, does anybody care enough? And what they don't see is that there is an army of people already all around them who do. So those are some of the things, some of the things I would want young people to give. Quite frankly, I want everyone to understand it because, because we get older doesn't mean we've, we've understood them. In many ways, some of the people that I've met who are so angry and bitter and anxious and unhappy, I wonder to myself, is it because they really they they don't have to prove that they're worth something to God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess, you know, then for those of us who aren't considered young people anymore, parents, oh. grandparents, teachers, yeah. neighbors, coaches, what I, what do you want to tell us about mm-hmm. young people? What do you want us to know? Um, I want all of us who are older to understand that we speak with our words, our actions, our attitudes, our gestures, our looks. And integrity of life is the single greatest gift we can give our young people, especially if our life is one struggling to be a faithful Christian in the world. So I could talk to him blue in the face that I could tell my little great niece, who's five years old, adorable, and the most beautiful <laughs> child on earth, um, that I love her as her great uncle. And yet when she comes and wants to play doctor or wants to play Monopoly or wants to draw a picture and she's visiting, let's say, the house in Brooklyn or I go to visit my niece and she's there. If I constantly never have time to do that, Mm -hmm. 
what am I really telling her? Yeah. Right? So we want a relationship with young people, then, yeah, you're tired, I get it, so am I. Uh, you're busy, yeah, I get it, so am I. Uh, you have a lot of worries on your shoulder. God knows we all do, myself included. And so what? <laughs> Excuse me. But And you think Jesus was like absolutely uh, skipping down the road to Calvary? <laughs> right. Yeah. Those are the moments of suffering. This I understand. But these are the moments where a, a child will never forget. Yeah. Then the message, I love you, resonates. Now, we're not going to do it perfectly, and you're not going to do it every occasion. Obviously not. But to never do them and never find the time is a fatal mistake. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Amen. So actions speak louder than words. That's my message to all of us older folk. Yep. And like you said, to all of us, uh, we have a, you have a father who loves you in heaven, and you have a savior mm -hmm. who died for you, and you have a mother who wants mm -hmm. to care for you. So just mm -hmm. give them a chance. Yeah, and I and I think of the three you mentioned, the one that usually is forgotten in the contemporary world is the mother who cares for you. Yeah. And yet our lady our lady when it comes to children and uh, that's our lady is the great intercessor and defender, protector. And to think that there isn't a, a malevolence in the world it's just foolish and she's she's the one who will come to the protection of our children and grandchildren i would recommend everybody listening their children and grand every day commend them to the protection of wrap them in the mantle of our lady and her love ask her to be their defender and their guide and their protector do it consciously do it in prayer do it every day yes and it will be amazing to see what happens awesome Let's take one more break, Excellency, and uh, we'll take a listener question when we come back. Great. We need Catholic Radio because we need the voice of the Church in the public forum. We live in a time that the secular voice dominates so thoroughly that we need to get that Catholic perspective out. Just as Fulton Sheen used radio and TV in the last century, we need to continue to use this means to announce the Catholic faith in the public forum. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, we got um, an email in from Ashley in Boca Raton, Florida. Your audience is growing. So she writes, good afternoon. I wanted to ask a question or maybe bring up the topic of pornography and its relevance to the youth of our church. What are some ways to overcome it and to educate people on its adverse effects? Well, to educate people on its adverse effects, especially for parents and teachers, is absolutely crucial because it is detrimental in every aspect of human life. First of all, it, it becomes addictive because it alters the physiology, the chemical physiology of one's brain. Right? Um, so it's, in, in which case, um, by doing that, it becomes a self-fulfilling, self-reinforcing phenomenon. Yes. And it puts people into more and more of its clutches in areas that become more and more problematic. Since to achieve the high, you need to go into the more extreme, the more um, aberrant. It's extraordinarily dangerous just on that level. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I think that's very clear. And the fact that it is a pandemic, no, it is a super pandemic among young people, particularly young men, although young women, it, the, those rates are rising rapidly at very early ages, as early as seven or eight years old. And the other thing we need to know is you as a parent or grandparent, whomever, a guardian, you can lock up your computers at home, but if you give your child a phone and there isn't a software that blocks this stuff, which in 99% of phones, it doesn't happen, then in fact, you're just giving them license to God knows see whatever. Yeah. So, how do you deal with it? Two things I would suggest. One, talk about it. Talk about it openly. Destigmatize the embarrassment that comes from it. Because part of the reason young people or people of all ages don't, don't, don't kick the habit is because they're ashamed of it and won't speak about it. So speak about it openly. I think that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. And treat it as both a sin, but also treat it as a possible addiction, depending on the frequency and use. And therefore, the second piece that can help is if you do discern that there is almost a level of, of involuntary participation, so there is a compulsion, then you may need professional help. Mm -hmm. And self-help groups are really very helpful. And self-help groups, um, there are many of them, lots of them are, are Christian and some of them are Catholic, where the members of the group hold themselves accountable for their behavior. And that's really important, particularly for young men, to be held accountable to one another. Um, because to break an addiction, there are some who can really do it alone. Like my dad broke his smoking addiction, just woke up one day and said, I'm done. And that was it, he was done. Which I still admire, okay? Because every time I walk by a box of Oreos, I say, so, so I'm done, <laughs> but let me finish this box. And then I'm done, right? In this case, it's insidious, it's evil, it's, it's, it's destructive, it's corrosive. Um, y many times people need help. Yeah. They need help. So self-help groups and professional help would also be, but just talk about it. Just destigmatize it and talk about it. And part of the solution also should be frequent use of the sacraments, right, Excellency? Well, if a person's, oh, without a doubt. I mean, if they're Catholic. Doubt, I, but, right, but that is something that I would put in the category of how I help myself. Okay. So as a parent or as a guardian or someone, um, we're going to recommend it, but that person has to be ready right. to go to confession and have at least a truly felt desire to overcome it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Without doubt, confessions and the sac and the grace that comes from that. Um, but from our perspective as guardians or older people, I think we can help. The contribution we can give directly would be to destigmatize it, uh, avail if there's needed this professional help. And of course, encourage them to go to the sacrament. And I think oftentimes that is going to be either the first or last place young people go. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the young person. So if you're listening and you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in to us over the, via, uh, the Veritas app. 
or on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. You can find Bishop Frank Caggiano on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Veritas Catholic Network is there too. Excellency, would you please give us your blessing? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit upon us during these times of challenge and keep us a hopeful and joyful people. For we walk in your love and mercy. May us never, may we never doubt your love for us. And help us with the wisdom you give to meet the challenges before us to your honor and glory. For we make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Steve, Amen. happy birthday once again. Cake next week. Yes. Thanks, Excellency. And uh, have a great All week. All the best to you. Okay. Thank you, you too.